Good morning, everyone. Lovely to see you and lovely to be here and see your actual faces. They're beautiful. So this morning, I want to share to you and talk about rest and what rest means to me and all the things I've learned about it. Because I do feel, and we've talked about this in the past, I feel that we are in a place where we feel tired and we feel exhausted and weary. And I'm not saying we haven't felt these things before the world pandemic, but on top of normal life, whatever that looks like, we added all these other things to deal with, and it's bound to make us tired. It's bound to make us exhausted and weary, but life is tiring. Um, but I don't want to feel like this. I don't want to feel like I'm always catching up, that I'm always on the go. I'm always not finishing my to-do list. I, I'm not meant to operate from this place. I'm not meant to be like this. I'm not meant to be on low battery all the time. Um, I'm meant to operate from rest. Rest in my body, rest in my mind, and rest in my spirit, rest in my soul. <laughs> and even as I was writing this a few days ago, I was like, yeah, this is what I want. This is what I, I, I can see it. I can feel it in my spirit. I long for rest. In Leviticus 23, verse 3, where it is, for six days work may be done. But on the seventh, there is a Sabbath of complete rest. A holy... Oh. It's not working. Thank you. For six days, work may be done. But on the seventh day, there is a Sabbath of complete rest. A holy convocation. You shall not do any work. It is a Sabbath to the Lord in all your dwellings. In this verse, we read that there are six days for work. And one day for rest. The seventh should be rest. But many throughout the Bible and throughout history have taken this as a rule, as a law. And they amplified it. You know, Sabbath in Jesus' life, uh, in Jesus' time, was taken so seriously that they condemned Jesus for healing somebody because they considered it work. In Exodus, there's a verse that says, if you don't keep the seventh day, you shall die. You shall be put to death. That doesn't inspire me uh, relaxing. Sit down and relax, otherwise we will kill you. Okay, I will. <laughs> Are you relaxing? Yes. <laughs> not very. This is not what I'm reading when I read Genesis. That says, Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he rested from all his work, which God had created and made. In another verse it says, he ceased from labor, and he was refreshed. I don't know about you, but it's something I want. I want to cease from labor, and I want to be refreshed. Many times I cease from labor, but I don't feel refreshed. Anyone else? Yeah. The ceasing labor part, we're kind of familiar with. But feeling refreshed, I want that. But what if we stop reading these verses like a law? like a rule and regulation. It comes with a punishment if we don't do it. And instead, we read them as a manual instruction. Read them as a maintenance manual. You know, we are his creation after all, which means we probably come with a warning label. Human, caution, rest. Otherwise, you will be tired and burn and crash. There are times when I wonder if I love my coffee machine more than I love myself. 
And you might think, no, 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 of course you don't. And I'm like, well, no, I don't, but actions speak louder. I take care of my coffee machine. I read instruction, I read the maintenance manual, I buy nice cleaning solutions for it, and I do a full clean regularly for it. Why? Because it's precious to me, and I want it to keep, and I want it to last, and I don't want it to break down. I don't know what I would do in the morning if it would break down. I mean, I wake up with the Lord. <laughs> but coffee helps. But I trust the instruction and the manual, and I trust whoever wrote it because they know the machine best. I don't be like, oh, look at this red button, it's on. I'm just going to stroke it and give it a glass of wine. It'll be fine tomorrow. Do I? No, I pick up the manual and I'm like, okay, what does red flashing button mean? Okay, it means I have to do this. Okay, I'm not going to do a coffee now. I'm going to carry on doing three more coffees. And then hopefully, if it doesn't break down then, then I'll do a, a clean. No, I instantly do what he says. But can I, say the sa can I say the same thing about this creation? About this creation that I am? Do I read its instruction and work hard on maintaining the way the creator told me? to take care of it. I'm not sure I always do. I'm learning and I'm growing. And, but at times I'm like, I took, care better, I took better care of my coffee this week than I took care of myself. And that's not something I want to say very often. Let's read Matthew 11. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest in my soul, for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. This is Jesus' invitation for each one of us, to take his yoke because it's easy and his burden is light. Again, as I'm writing this, I'm excited, and the spirit within me is like, yes, this is what I want. Light, easy, and I have read this verse many times, and only recently I read it, and it stood out to me that it says, take my yoke upon you. He wasn't, he wasn't saying, give me your yoke that you've put on yourself. No, no. He says, take my yoke upon you. My yoke is easy, and my burden is light. I want to give him my load, so he carries it. But in this verse, I'm invited to take his yoke, the one that is easy and the burden that is light. So let's look at how to do that. Uh, how to take care of this body, of this mind, of my spirit that I was given, that I was put in charge of in order for me to operate from a place of rest. I want to operate from a place of rest and not one of hurry. But I don't always manage that. I want to operate from a place of rest because Jesus was operating from a place of rest. If I look at him and his life, this is what he was doing all the time. He was operating from a place of rest. To everyone else, it might have seemed that he was not rushing when Lazarus died, or that he's not thinking ahead when all the people need to be fed, or that he's sleeping when there's a storm in the boat. To all of us, they might be like, this is not logical. Jesus, wake up, there's a storm. But Jesus was always operating from a place of rest. Not a hurry, not a stressed state, but one of peace and rest at all times. Not of, oh, you'll be fine. Don't worry about Lazarus, you'll be fine. But more of, all in my time. This is a journey for many of us, still a journey for many of us, for me personally. How do we seize and get refreshed? 
I don't want to just to cease labor, but I also want to get a refresh. So how do we rest in a world that is full of hurry and doing? How do we take the easy yoke and the light burden? I read this book, and I'm going to read it again, by John Mark Homer. It's called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And in this book, he says this. What if the secret to a happy life, and it is a secret, an open one, but a secret nonetheless. How else do so few people know it? But what if the secret isn't out there, but much closer to home? What if all you had to do was slow down long enough for the merry-go-round of life to come into focus? What if the secret is slowing and not doing more and not rushing more? How many times have you stopped working and had an evening or a weekend or a week off or a few hours to yourself and at the end of it you don't feel much more rested? You feel like it wasn't enough. Each time I don't feel like it's enough. I'm like, if only I would have one more hour and if somehow I am given that one more hour, I still don't feel rested enough. So what do you do then? <laughs> Hello, my darling. This is my beautiful boy. He sees me working a lot, so bless him. <laughs> but how many times have we heard this phrase, you can't pour from an empty cup? So then I work very hard on filling my cup, but it doesn't seem that it's always ever full. But what if the things I'm doing to fill the cup are not actually filling the cup? I got this picture the other day. What if it's like trying to fill a bathtub with water, but you never pull the plug in? The water's running and the water's running, but when you stop the tap, the water is just down the drain and the bath is still empty. Because in my head, I am doing everything that I'm into, but it's just not filling up at the end. And if it is, by the time I've turned the tap off, it's all drained. Maybe the things that I'm doing are not actually filling it, but they are running like the bathtub tap without actually filling anything. Imagine you have an evening with no plans and you feel tired and weary and exhausted and you sit down with your phone and you watch some TV because apparently that's what we do now. We have to have our phone and TV on. And you have a glass of wine and it's all exciting and you looked forward to this all week. And at the end, you go to bed and you wake up the next day just as exhausted. And I'm not saying these things are bad and I'm going to go on, I'm going to explore them a little bit. They are not bad things. The same way, chocolate is not bad. But have a diet on chocolate, you might not go very far. And you might think, why am I feeling like this? Why am I still feeling like I want one more hour? Why am I still feeling like I'm still exhausted and I don't want to go to work tomorrow? Why am I feeling like even though I spent an evening filling my cup, I'm still feeling empty? Maybe because the plug wasn't on and all the filling went down the drain and the bathtub is still empty. You see, all these things that we do are not wrong. They are not bad, but they are not, they will not fill you. They're not the thing that will give you what you need. They will not recharge you. They will not give you the rest that you actually need in order to carry on. They're just like the cherry on top. These things... All these things can be done from a place of rest. And then they become enjoyable. 
But when we try to replace them as the thing that gives us what we need, as the thing that fills us, it just doesn't work. When I try to replace it, actually, a lot of times when I do that, I also feel a little bit guilty. Like, oh, I should really. I know I'm tired, and I know I have a few evening free, but should I sit here watching TV? But if I do them in the right order, then they become enjoyable. They become to be what they were meant to be. Not the thing that keeps you going. It's like trying to maintain a long-term diet with chocolate. I know I'm mixing the metaphors, but when you're hungry and you need something sustainable, you don't go to a bar of chocolate. And if you do, it's because you're in a rush, you're in a hurry, and you don't have time to think and plan, and so you get something quick. But you know that an hour later, you're still just as hungry. And you know that your body can't really do that morning breakfast and breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And if it does, it won't do it for very long. And very soon, your body will tell you, beep, beep, this is not okay. Let's stop. The bar of chocolate feels good at the moment and gives you the false sense of the hunger being gone, but an hour later, you're still hungry because your body needs something long-term, something to nourish it, something to release energy past the sugar rush. And as much as I like to, my body can't live on chocolate alone. They'll be pretty amazing, because I love chocolate, and it doesn't require cooking. But the same way, my mind and my spirit can't live on endless labor and a break to watch TV in between. It just won't work for long term. So what does it work? What are we meant to do or not to do? And I want to share these four kind of practices that I've seen, that I've learned myself, four things that I try to remind myself when I feel burnt out, and four things that I don't always succeed, but when I do walk in those practices, something shifts, because it's actually what my spirit needs. And I've learned this from Jesus himself and the way he operates, from the people around me, from the way I work, because we are all different. But in this order, and this order, I got it from the book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, which has helped me to understand so much and would recommend for everyone to read it at least once. I'm reading again, which again gives you the excitement, like, yes, I can do this. And then it kind of trails off a little bit because, you know, it's been two months and who wants to still wake up at 6 a.m. and do what you said you were going to do? But then I remind myself that that doesn't work. So then I go back. So whatever works for you. Some, for me, it helps to read the same book that motivated me in the first place. For some other people, might. You need somebody to keep you accountable. But this isn't a quick solution. It's not like I'm telling you now and then by tomorrow you're all rested. It's a long-term lifestyle. And there's something that we each must do. Not because we say it or because you read a book or even because you read a verse that says you must rest. That's not what you should... It's not legalism. And it cannot be done in the same way another person is doing it. Not even in the exact same way Jesus was doing it. Because we are all unique and different. And Jesus was showing us a lifestyle, not a set of rules. You're not meant to delay your trip to see your ill friend for three days because Jesus did. You're meant to operate from a place of rest. And if that means delaying it, that means delaying it. But if that means I go in my car right now, I go in my car right now. Jesus wasn't like, do exactly as I do. But he was just saying, this is how I live. Live like I do. And we can apply this principle of Jesus' life and his practices to our own lives and learn how they each work for ourselves. And we do it because we want to be more like him. We do it because in him we find all we need. Because I was designed to work and then to cease work and feel refreshed.
These four things are practices that we see Jesus walk in all the way through the New Testament. And I'll share them with you today and look at them. But as the weeks go on, we'll explore each one of them in depth and in a practical way. So the first one is silence and solitude. This one's pretty self-explanatory. You, we must find him in silence and solitude. We were created, we are a creation to be in community, to be together, to be with one another, to worship him corporately, to eat together, to do life together. But we were also created to spend time alone with the Father. Time in silence and solitude. If you look at the life of Jesus, he was a master of going back and forth between community and solitude. Community and solitude. One of the many verses that talks about Jesus going off and being by himself is in Matthew 14. That says, after he had, spent, had sent the crowds away, he went up the mountain by himself to pray. And when it was evening, he was there alone. Jesus was constantly doing this. He was being with people, and then he was removing himself to be with the Father. Because he knew what he needed in order to carry on giving to the crowds was not from more crowds, or from a nice glass of wine, or from a nice pita bread that the disciples fried for him. It was from solitude and silence with the Father. And then he would come back, and then he would give some more. Without it, I don't think he could have done it just as well. Because everything that he received was from the Father. If Jesus needed a long time with the Father, how much more do we? The second one we're going to look at is Sabbath. And this has become a word that we don't often use in our day and culture. We see it in, in a nation practice or maybe in the, in the Jew community. But Sabbath is for everyone. And it's meant to be a time of seizing labor, labor and feeling refreshed after. It was a time to stop doing and just being. It was a full 24 hours of seeking him and being with him while nothing else takes our focus. Not you just stop doing your nine to five jobs and then you stop doing your work, you know, your housework, or then you stop doing other things, or then you do the project that you've put off. No, this was stop doing. And that's why you can see how they could take it quite legalistically, because it's like, well, no, you're not going to your job, but now you're at home cleaning, so no, that's not allowed. And then they just added more and more things before it became just, you're not even allowed to heal a person, because that's better. Let them be ill another day. But Jesus was always like, no, 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 this is what I'm doing. But they took it to the point where it was just too much. And then, we're now in 21st century, and where we take it to the point of Never. Everything is constant. Every, nothing stops. Nothing slows down. Nothing ever has a break. We just keep going and we keep going and we keep going. In the 70s, or maybe earlier, I don't know, 70s in Romania because everything came much later, when washing machines came and, you know, electric fires, you know, um, the remote to put your central heating on and all those things have started coming and more and more people were able to afford them to have them in their house. They said, by the year 2000, we won't have to work so much. We'll only work three days. Because now, it takes us two hours to get out of the house, to go and collect some wood, bring it to the house, make a fire, and then enjoy it three hours later. Now, I just have to press a button and the house is warm. So can you imagine how much more free time we'll have? 
It's been 50 years or more, and we have no more free time. Actually, we're more busy than ever. It's quite, um, it's become quite a bit of a culture to up one on another on busyness. I've been so busy, I got up at six, but I got up at five, and I've been more busy because actually, in, I am more busy because I work seven days a week, and when I'm not there, I'm also working. And it's, it's actually something that we sometimes feel proud of. The things that we achieve and the things that we do and being busy and being in a hurry, it's something that we kind of strive for. And I'm not sure why, because Jesus never did. He was never like, guys, disciples, I got up before you and I got all this fish. So can you please wait? He was always in community. He was always in a sense of rest. And you can see him from the way he talks. Sometimes the Pharisees would ask him a question and he wasn't quick in answering, oh, let me get my Bible so I can answer you. Sometimes he would take his time. Sometimes he would bend down and write something in the sand. Because this is where he was all the time. But it didn't come from just being Jesus. We think, oh, well, of course he was because he was Jesus. Yes, he was Jesus, but he was human. And he knew what he needed. He knew the time with the Father was what he needed. He knew the Sabbath to keep it, not the way they were keeping it, but to keep it. Oh, I said here, Sabbath is not a rule, but it's also not an option. It's a maintenance instruction. I never heard anyone say, well, you don't have to recharge your phone when the battery is low. You can just lay it on the sofa, let it take a breath, and then it will be fine. No, because you know that it won't work. You know if you really want, you know it's not a preference thing. It's not like, oh, some people charge their phones, some people don't charge their phones and we all just go around using them. You know it's a manufacturer thing. It was designed to work, then the battery runs low, and then you, if you wanna carry on using it, you recharge and then you use it again. But I've heard plenty of people, myself including, saying things such, my life is too busy for a whole day of Sabbath. I know other people can do it, but for me personally, I just can't. Maybe when my children are older, maybe when this thing will be finished, maybe when I work four days a week, but the thing is, Sabbath is for everyone. It's not a rule and it's not a law, but it's also not just an option. It's a maintenance. If you want to carry on, and it's not like, if you want to carry on, you better do it. No, it's more like, if you want to carry on, this is the way you take care of it. Sabbath is for everyone. It's the key to keep you going. The third thing is simplicity. Simplicity or minimalism or hige or plainness or getting rid of stuff, whatever you want to call it, this practice is part of an unhurrying and helping your mind um, just get into a, a rest place. I mean, I put here this the hardest because it's, it's a very practical one, but it's also the hardest. For me personally, it's the hardest. If you're not a, a staff person, then you might think, yeah, this is an easy one. But this is just the way of, we love stuff. We love buying stuff. We love working for stuff. And there's nothing wrong with it. But again, let's look at Jesus. Jesus didn't live simply because he couldn't afford it. Or because he was just a guy and he didn't care for the latest of fashion or sandals. He lived simply because he was intentional. 
He was intentional in living simply, in not accumulating stuff just for the sake of accumulating stuff. He was intentional in not searching and seeking things, material things. So this practice is all about simplifying everything around us. Yes, it starts with material things, but it's what gives us mental freedom. In a world of get more, get more, get more, if it breaks, you can buy another one, if it breaks, you can buy another one, don't worry, with a click, we'll be on your door tomorrow. We are encouraged to simplify all that. And the last one, which I said this one was the hardest, but I think this one's the hardest for me, it's slowing. Again, quite self-explanatory, but it's all about slowing, not just your mind, but your body. The world around us is all about speed, quickness, doing it now. Nothing ever takes a break. I do not remember last time my phone was off, or my internet router was off, or a plug in my house was ever off, because everything carries on all the time, and it's quicker and quicker and quicker. But hurry and grace, hurry and love, and hurry and Jesus don't really go together. The opposite of grace and love is hurry. Again, let's look at Jesus. He was full of grace and love for everyone around him. He was never in a hurry. Even when people thought maybe he should be in a hurry, he was never in a hurry. So we will look at each one of these things in depth a bit more in the next few weeks. And these practices take time and they take effort. It will not be a fast food option, but a long meal to be enjoyed. And with this, I want to end that we were created to live the way Jesus lived. We were created to stop, cease labor. We were created to rest. But as time went on, we've not done that. And now it's so countercultural that we must unlearn a lot of things. It's not about learning to rest as much as it's unlearning to do, unlearning to hurry. But you were designed for this, which means God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit are with you and will be with you. The things you find hard to stop and give up, he already knows. Let's find peace in knowing that he knows all the thoughts that you had this morning as you listened to this word. He knows all the battles that happen within you when you hear the word rest, when you hear the word cease labor. He's with you no matter what. And he's saying, I know my child. You can do that. And I'm here with you. Let's listen to this song and let's reflect on that and let's allow him and let's all those battles that might be happening right now and all the answers that you might have to, to the things that I said and just lay them at his feet. He knows. He knows how busy your life is. He knows all the things you are doing and you need to do. He knows all the things on your to-do list this week. And he says, I am with you.